Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. And joining us on the nightcap this week, uh, she covers the Washington Capitals for the Washington Post. Samantha Pell, uh, very familiar with the southwest area of the country, uh, Arizona State graduate. Uh, Samantha, how how is the D.C. lifestyle treating you uh, as of late? Yeah, D.C. is definitely interesting. You know, obviously before the pandemic and all that, very different. Um, but yeah, I would say it's very vastly different than, you know, the West Coast, very like laid back vibes, I would say. East Coast, very business first. Um, obviously, a lot of people going out, a lot of politics involved here. Um, but, you know, I like the D.C. area and the capitals. They practice right out of D.C. Um, in the Virginia area, actually. So I live right out there. But, uh, yeah, it's been good so far. Yeah. Don't the capitals still have their uh, practice arena that's on top of a mall? Yes. Yeah, it's on top of like a small little mall. They've like built it out a little bit more. So there's more kind of like food places and, you know, places to eat and shop. Uh, but yeah, it's right on the rooftop. of a Yeah, small mall. I-, I played there. God, it's probably like 10 years ago. I think it was Kettler oh. Iceplex at the time then, but it's now MedStar uh, Capitals Iceplex. But that was uh, I had one weird story that came out of the junior hockey tournament that I was playing uh, in out there. And I thought it was a really good idea to, to, for me to tell my teammates as we were in an elevator, let's all jump at once. Let's see what happens. Let's, let's see and have some fun. <laughs> and uh, we ended up getting stuck in there for at least a good hour. And actually, uh, the members of the D.C. Fire Department actually had to come rescue us. So plenty of good mems uh, in, in the elevators uh, going up to the rink at, uh, for, the, for the Capitals practice. So what's, have you been to the practices? I saw that you posted some, some content on Twitter. I saw a couple of Vegas Golden Knights practices myself over the weekend. Obviously, a lot of things have changed because of the Rona. Uh, what has that experience been like for you as a member of, of a media of the media uh, watching those practices for the Caps? Yeah, it's definitely been super interesting. Um, I've been at every one of their practices. They started, you know, with the rest of the league last Monday, and basically masks are required at all times. We walk in with masks. We get our temperatures checked every day to make sure you know nothing is wrong there, and then we also fill out a symptom questionnaire every day uh, at practice and then we're actually also socially distancing when we're at practice we have a sign kind of small table mm-hmm. where we sit on the balcony watching practice so we're away from other media members and you know we obviously don't cross paths with any players coaches we do all of our interviews uh, over zoom so we can kind of watch them uh, go into the interview room and then they pop up on our computer screens which is 
kind of funny. It's it's such a weird way and obviously a huge adjustment for all of us in the industry as, as media members because we're used to having locker room access. We're used to being able to, to talk with the players, and that's where a lot of those conversations, a lot of the background information goes in to really giving stories life other than the quotes and stuff themselves. But it's pretty much the same here at, at City National Arena, like same questionnaires, socially distanced. They don't want you lingering around other press uh, seats. They're just like, go to your seat. That's where you stay. If you leave the building, guess what? You're not getting back in today but it's just it's such a weird way to just watch hockey and that's everybody's going to be in a weird boat as the teams you know migrate to the hub cities up in Canada in in Toronto for for your Washington Capitals and for Edmonton for the Vegas Golden Knights here Uh, how are you planning to cover the games when they do go north yeah so um I'm actually pretty lucky in that standpoint. Uh, the Washington Post is sending me to Toronto. Uh, so I'm actually leaving on Ooh. Sunday. The, yes, the same day the team leaves. Uh, so I'll be up in Toronto. Uh, obviously, Canada has a 14-day quarantine rule. So I'll actually be stuck in my hotel room uh, for 14 days. And then I will be allowed to be let out of my hotel room and actually go watch games from the press box. Um, but yeah, so basically I'll still be in the hotel room for, you know, the Capitals exhibition games, the three round Robin games, but I will be out just in time for the first round, uh, which is, you know, why we're all there in the first round. Right, exactly. And that's, that's where I was going to ask. I mean, is there really anything that you, you can do besides go to the rink, watch hockey? Is it basically they're saying you got to go back to your room and that's where you got to stay? Yeah, basically, so for those 14 days, I'm basically stuck in my hotel room only. I actually like can't leave the room. But after those 14 days, I can go to the rink. I can, you know, conceivably, you know, go out and walk around or go out for a run. Sure. Um, basically do anything I want since I'm outside of the bubble. Um, only the players and coaches and other team personnel can actually, you know, be in the Hotel X in the Royal York uh, in Toronto. Right. Media is going to be somewhere else. But as far as, like, my game day routine, it's just going to be a typical, you know, day in Toronto for me. I could go out to lunch if I wanted to. Um, I could go pick up takeout and then go back to the hotel and then, you know, just go to the arena for the game at night. And then obviously no face-to-face interviews, all Zoom. But, you know, at least we're in the arena. We can maybe see things that the camera won't catch. That's I'm I'm so excited for you. What a unique and, and singular experience that you're going to be, you know, literally boots on the ground for uh, being in that bubble. You're, you're one of two people that I know uh, that are going to be in that bubble. And obviously there are going to be quite a few more. But in terms of like hockey writers and, and everything, it makes sense if the games are in Canada that they would have the Canadian writers, especially if you're talking uh, with publications that are more online based or, or in the radio industry. There's a bunch of different things, but that's super cool uh, for you to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm super lucky. I know, like I know Sarah McClellan uh, from the Star Tribune. She covers the Minnesota Wild. Very familiar with Sarah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's already in Edmonton um, because obviously their playing round uh, is so important. So they came a week early so that she can get out of her quarantine in time for the playing round. And, you know, I'm just pretty lucky that the Capitals, you know, already are guaranteed a first round. So we can stay in quarantine during those, you know, kind of round robin exhibition games. Exactly. It's definitely uh, a good thing for the, for the Capitals and for the Vegas Golden Knights being uh, part of the round robin groups on, on each side of their mm-hmm. conference where they don't have to worry about getting eliminated in the first couple of weeks because they put in the work, they, they succeeded in the regular season, and there needs to be some sort of reward for that. Usually that comes in, in form of the, of the trophies, uh, the President's Trophy, and then obvious uh, seeding for the playoffs, but considering the Rona is a thing, 
Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how that dichotomy plays out because obviously that intensity level for those those teams in the qualifying rounds, they're going to be balls to the wall right away. You have to be because it is, it is officially, you know, uh, do or die time for them. But with the round robin teams, you're just trying to ease your way into the hot tub a little bit. And, and, Honestly, as much as as much as the the round robin games are, are, I think are really important to get getting everybody to that starting line for the official Stanley Cup playoffs. I think that there is something to really think about and to consider as a team uh, playing in those games as a round robin group versus the qualifying teams. You share that same uh, that same con- not concern, but just line of questioning. Yeah, you know, I think you're kind of right. It's going to be, I don't want to say like a different style of hockey um, in these round robin versus like the playing games. But I mean, the playing games are playing games, you know, they're playoff games. You're fighting for your, you know, spot to be in that round of 16. And then round robin, at least I think for the Capitals, they're going to maybe use it as a little bit of an experiment time, you know, just to figure out, uh, you know, which players kind of work best. Their lineup is pretty solidified, but Lars Eller is actually going to leave the Toronto bubble in early August to go see the birth of his second child. Uh, his wife's due date is August 8th, which is, you know, right before the Capitals last round robin game. So he's expected to miss a couple of games for the Capitals uh, in the first round. So these round robin games for the Caps, at least, will probably just be figuring out exactly who's going to take his spot, what works best, you know, maybe shake some things up. But then again, you know, seating is also very important. So, I definitely think it's going to be interesting to see how other teams approach the round robin. Um, but yeah, we'll see. And it's going to be the Golden Knights and, and the Washington Capitals. Their history is going to be forever intertwined, obviously, with 2018, uh, the year that the Vegas Golden Knights had in the Stanley Cup final that they both met in. Obviously, the Capitals taking away that trophy. But a lot of those players still remain on your side, just as they do on our side here in Vegas. And so I, I really agree with your with your take there of it's very much a tinkering time. There's not a lot to figure out because especially with how old the, some of the both of these teams are, you know, the Washington mm-hmm. Capitals are the 10th oldest in the league. Their their average age is uh, 29.9. And uh, and then you have the, the Vegas Golden Knights at 28.4, which is the fifth oldest. And it's when you're having that many guys who have played together for this long of time, have been through the battles, have, have seen some success, it's 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 a little bit scary, uh, to be totally honest, Sam, <laughs> as a former player and as a goaltender, because when you get comfortable, that breeds complacency. And and it's really easy to say, yeah, it's okay. TJ's going to be ready to go. Alex is going to be ready to go. Every, all of our guys are going to be ready to go. But it's very different to drop yourself on the ice and all of a sudden, yes, I am ready to actually put that into action. Uh, where do you think the, 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 the Capitals are in, in that progression? Yeah, I definitely think you mean just in terms of like experience and kind of where they are, right? And just how they're they're how they're mentally approaching it because this is this is a a familiar place for them in the playoffs right, towards right. the top of their division with a lot of expectations on their shoulders. Yeah, you know, I definitely think for the Capitals, you know, just first off, they do have a lot of experience there. They have a lot of veteran guys, and honestly, I think it's a very like calm group uh, to begin with. You know, they've been through the situation before. Obviously, not specifically these playoffs, not specifically in a bubble with no fans. Um, you know, staying in a hotel like you're back at summer camp. Um, but I definitely think this whole team understands what it takes to win. And multiple players have told us throughout the week that, you know what, we would have not have come back. We really didn't think that we were confident in this group and we feel like we could win and go out and win another cup. And, you know, the Capitals' time to win another cup is closing pretty quickly. I mean, Braden Holby is mm. a pending UFA after this season. You know, people 
are worried about, you know, how many years does an Alex Ovechkin and a Nicholas Backstrom really have? Um, these guys are getting older. So that window is closing. And a lot of people think it's this year or next year where the Caps can get that second cup. And if not, um, their chances just start going down. Absolutely. That that sense of urgency is is very mm-hmm. apparent for, for, for the Washington Capitals. And it's the same thing here with Vegas. You know, that, that championship window is so much more than a buzzword at this point, because as you said, w- with Braden Holpe entering free agency on your side, we have uh, Robin Leonard, who is a late season acquisition, who's hitting free agency. You have a lot of players that were part of this team that are going to be hitting free agency. But but in terms of the age, in terms of the situation and, and having the guys in the locker room that you have in right now, I, I always say, you know, even if you return every single player to the team next year, it's a new year. It's a new moment. It's a new everything. You're never going to be able to really play for these guys in this locker room at any other point. And that's where mm-hmm. it, it it depends on the personality of the team and, and their ability to handle it because we, we've seen what happens to teams that get a little bit too high on themselves. You can just take the Tampa Bay Lightning, for an example, in their last year's uh, right. playoff performance. But the pressure, for some people, they rise to the occasion, even continue to, and some people wilter. And I think there's a lot of players on on that Washington Capitals uh, roster that obviously rise to that occasion. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that, oh, yeah, there's an expansion draft next year as well. Right, right. Exactly. I mean, I think the expansion draft is going to be like crazy overall. I can't imagine. Um, I don't know. Like Seattle's going to have a stacked team. I think it's very similar to kind of what we saw with Vegas. But, you know, for the Capitals, you would think that they were going to have to expose TJ Oshie um, in that expansion draft. And I mean, for Seattle, what a great get. He's from there. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's from there. Like you could kind of see those captain tendencies and leadership tendencies there. Obviously, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. Um, but I mean, man, you really got to think that's going to be a wild time, right? You can only protect so many players and obviously, uh, players that have big time impacts and big time roles this year may or may not have those on the same team a couple years from now, but it's definitely a a piece that is playing in the back of the minds of of the front office's heads. And especially with the off season, that is going to be super pressure packed, uh, in the sense of when we get through these Stanley Cup playoffs, knock on wood, knock on wood, right. <laughs> um, that you have the draft, that you have the free agency period. And and with when you speed things up, when things are a little bit quicker on the ice, that sometimes leads mm-hmm. you to make quick decisions, which may or may not be fully uh, thought out through. And so there's a really big pressure point moment for not only the players on teams like the Capitals, like the, like the Vegas Golden Knights or like the St. Louis Blues where they're older teams, but just on the front offices themselves because success is so fleeting in this league and it's so hard to get all the way to the end, even if you do have the best team. Right, exactly. And I think, you know, always talking to general manager Brian McCollin for the Capitals, I think he always says up front, you know, they're so lucky to have had this substantiated success like the Capitals have been all these years. You know, they have been on top of the league for so long, the Metro division. And mm-hmm. now you're only starting to really see, you know, the Flyers come out of their shell. Um, and, you know, honestly, towards the end of the year when the Caps were playing the Flyers, and I remember sitting there watching the Flyers thinking, oh, wow, this is a dangerous team. Um, this could give the Capitals some trouble. It's a young team, fast team. They play physical um, so I really think the Metro is going to shake up over the next couple of years and the Capitals just have to be ready. You know, obviously they have some young guys waiting in the wings and, you know, like a Tom Wilson, Jacob Verana, obviously, you know, you still have the Kuznetsovs of the world. Um, but He's I definitely good. think that division is going to be, you know, in for a shakeup. 
Absolutely. And and that's just kind of the natural progression. You know, sooner or later, there is going to be a league that exists without Sidney Crosby and without Alexander Ovechkin. And there are fewer years in front of us than there are behind us at that point. And and it's absolutely correct. But as big as those players are for their team in the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's very much down to those nitty gritty players. How does your third and fourth line play? Because when it's best on best, yeah, we can probably, you know, play to a spare one time. Once in a while, it's going to go in one team's favor and once in a while it's going to go the other way. But your real money and, and the real momentum pushes come in those third, fourth lines. And there's a guy that that has uh, joined the Vegas Golden Knights much earlier this season. Seems like literally two years ago. But he was on the Washington Capitals to start. And that's Chandler Stevenson. And I have to say, Samantha, mm-hmm. as someone who, when that trade was made, I, was, I wasn't I was super familiar with Chandler Stevenson's game. I obviously knew that he won a cup with, with, with the Capitals. He, he was an important part of the team. But it's not like he's a, a household name. But when he got here and I saw, you know, there's those first couple of games and there are a lot of uneasy fans here because we're very, we have a tendency to get very attached to our players because it's just, we, we're a new franchise in this town. Everybody's very loved and, and, and they don't want to see anybody leave. But I'm telling you, and, and, and when I saw it, I'm like, Chandler Stevenson might be the key to this whole thing, at least for the Golden Knights. And so what did you see about his role uh, since you've been covering the Capitals and what he brings to the team, and so we can kind of compare and contrast on what his role has translated to here in Vegas. Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy um, hearing you say that because, you know, obviously we all saw Chandler go to Las Vegas, and at least from the cap side, you know, I remember talking to some of my other, you know, friends who are writers and saying, you know, he's just like a guy. Like, he's just a guy who plays hockey. Um, he's a guy who's going to maybe help on your fourth line. Uh, he's a guy that's going to contribute. He has, you know, the skill. He really hasn't had a place in Washington for them. But overall, I was like, yeah, he's just a guy. Um, I'm sure he'll be okay. And then all of a sudden he comes to Las Vegas and, you know, you see him basically performing way above expectations. Um, I Flourishing. think he was on the first line at some point, right? Like mm-hmm. it was a crazy jump. And I think all of us in Washington were like, oh, wow, like maybe he really did just need to find a new team, a new spot, more chemistry because, you know, this Caps team is so experienced. It has mm-hmm. so many guys and, you know, solidified spots that it was just really hard for Chandler to ever break through and maybe show his skills. Um, but I think just from outside looking in now, just super impressed with what he's done and what he's been able to accomplish. Right. And, 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 and you're spot on there because when, when, you know, you're delegated to the third, fourth line, you're not playing a regular, you know, every other shift, your, your minutes are going to be greatly diminished. And then when you're going out for those shifts, your, your job, your role is much different. It's not necessarily, okay, we really got to put the offensive pressure that's saying, well, we need to make sure that there's no minus out there. And guess what? It's your job to go dig into the corners. And that's what I love about his game is that he just seems like he's so fearless and that he plays aggressively at every point. Like, there doesn't seem to be any let up. And I know that most people would expect that from from athletes, especially professional athletes, and it's not that guys don't care. But there's a subconscious motor. There's a subconscious spark for some players, and and a lot of those players uh, start in those lower lines, and you have to work your way up. It's a grind. Not everybody can be the chosen skill maker or the first-line center that makes everything move. Somebody has to go do the dirty work, and and when you show your your willingness and your ability to do that dirty work and do it well, you're going to earn more opportunities, which is clearly what he did here in, in Vegas, and that's those opportunities he took advantage of and obviously got the positive reinforcement and momentum from it from it. And it's, I think he's a really great piece. One that's a really underrated. He's obviously going to be entering uh free agency after, after this season. I, I think it would be in the, in the Knights 
best interest to keep him around. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that playoff experience, especially running all the way to the cup and then uh, and playing against this team, too, it, it should offer a little bit of a unique insight for, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think it's also kind of going to those, like, third and fourth line guards. I think they play with a lot of pride, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're, you know, really hard workers. You know, with the Capitals' fourth line, they have guys like a Nick Dowd and Garnet Hathaway who really haven't stuck elsewhere. And I really feel like with the Capitals, they're one of the strongest lines. They're always in the ozone. They just always seem to work and out hustle everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really think for those guys who have kind of been in that position for a long time and now, like Chandler, trying to break out, um, I think they come from a really, really humble place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's in the blood for it's in the hockey blood and the mindset in general. It's just it's one of those unspoken things and, and unspoken just behavioral tendencies that we all have. But just to switch gears almost completely, this is my goalie brain on full display here as we talk about the guys <laughs> that really make the things happen that aren't necessarily always found on the score sheet. But this player uh, on the Washington Capitals finds the score sheet quite a bit, and it's not Alexander Ovechkin, but it's a defenseman, rather, John Carlson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been uh, selected as one of the three finalists for the Norris Trophy that was released earlier today. Uh, the James Norris Memorial Tro- Trophy is awarded to the be- to the defensive player who demonstrates throughout the season uh, the greatest all-around bi- ability at the position. Uh, but in recent years, and, and, and with this press release as an example, it's very much become is there an offensive defenseman here that is so good offensively that they can help uh, mitigate some of their defensive liabilities? And I'm not saying John Carlson is that player, but he has a point total that looks like that player. But can you t- tell me a little bit what a prototypical shift looks like for John Carlson, at least this year, that may or may not include uh, him getting on the score sheet? Yeah, you know, with John Carlson, just I think overall kind of going broader, the Capitals tried a new defensive system. They tried to play a little bit more aggressive overall. Uh, with their entire five-man group, but they had the blue line pinching in, um, which is just a little bit different than what they've been doing in the past. So it was actually giving Carlson and the other blue liners more offensive chances um, and kind of more chances to maneuver the puck around and really work in that five-man unit. So I just really think a combination of that new system, Carlson was kind of more involved in that offense and then also, you know, the guys around him, right? Yeah. Like everyone always talks about, you know, he has the Alex Ovechkins. He the has office. the Nicholas Backstrom. He's like, he has so many people around him that can not only be there uh, for the assist, but also help him um, and help him create. So really for John, a lot of time uh, in the ozone there. But also, I mean, defensively, I think people are very quick to kind of write John off uh, defensively. But, you know, he's a defensive defenseman first, I would say, and offensive second. And just, you know, this year was a really big surprise, but it was kind of coming for Carlson. You know, he finished fourth in the Norris Trophy voting, I believe, last year, fifth the year before. So he's been climbing um, up to this moment, and I really think for him, if you look at him and, you know, Roman Yossi are the top two, arguably, obviously, Hedman's always there. Always. Um, always there. <laughs> I think it'll be really interesting to see what writers kind of chose of a typical defensive defenseman with Yossi or maybe one that, like John, who just leaned more offensive this year. Absolutely. And, and your point uh, in the change of how they were approaching at least their defensive mindset of, of going in for pinches more, that's a much riskier mm-hmm. proposition. But when you, if you have the ability to get back, if you have a good defensive partner mm-hmm. or a good solid unit that can cover for you, if you do happen to go and it doesn't go your way, uh, that's that's the real key to that entire thing. Because if you can step up and then all of a sudden you're getting an offensive opportunity that nobody's expecting because it's such a big risk, 
you know, that's where that's where those little wrinkles come in. But obviously, John Carlson being an incredibly uh, mobile and, and, and reliable, very smart defenseman, you can pick and choose. And that's where, you know, the, the change of, of hockey and, and how it's coached, how it's played, how the systems are implemented it's it's so much less nowadays. This is the system we run. This is how we're successful. This is how we're going to do things, says coach. And it's much more of a collaborative thing. Be like, all right, let's see if 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 John can can do this part uh, or play the game this way, and let's see how that kind of percolates mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the roster and the rest of the unit. But it's just those tiny little tweaks that could really make the the biggest differences between not just winning a cup or not, but but goal or non goal, uh, win this game or not. And and that's and that's the, those are the fifty. 50 battles that are all over this game that just you have to win more than you lose yeah exactly I definitely think you know especially the capital system it was very interesting to kind of see it develop you know first in training camp see how it progressed I think you know capitals coach Todd Reardon kept on saying in the first I would say couple months or so that they're still building their system they're still trying to get it down but you know when they did get it it down yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, especially for defense and you, you're right. You have to have so much trust in them and that group mm-hmm. uh, to make sure they're in the right position. And, you know, they did work a lot um, in training camp on that. It was a lot of, you know, I remember talking to players saying, you know, they were kind of still thinking on the ice a bit to where they're supposed to be. Mm. Um, but, you know, once that worked out, I mean, it's natural. It just kind of took some time. And I really think those guys worked hard at it. And I think especially now with, you know, training camp round two, uh, it'll be super interesting to see what these guys are going to do just right out of the gate. Absolutely. Trusting your teammates and then ultimately trusting yourself and your ability to make decisions in, in a quick time. And if you're able to do that and you succeed, it's going to make you more likely to, to continue those, uh, to pursue those opportunities in the future. That's just straight up biology, Sam. And that's the crazy thing about <laughs> sports and life and everything else is that as complicated as it seems, there are simple answers and, uh, and and in terms of not so simple answers, I, I know that the, we, we talked a little bit about the round robin and, and, and the schedule and stuff, but you have an exhibition game against Carolina, uh, your Washington Capitals on the 29th of, mm-hmm. of July, and then you have Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, and Boston uh, in the round robin games. Uh, closing out against Boston, that's a hell of a way to, to end that round and, and to step into the next light, don't you think? I mean, I, the Knights are, are, are kind of in the same boat where they're going to be facing Colorado, who we haven't seen really healthy all year in a very scary team. But uh, do you think facing probably one of the most formidable opponents, at least in the top four uh, in that grouping for your final uh, round-robin game is advantageous or not? You know, I think it is. Um, I think obviously a lot of teams are going to use in that round robin are going to use their final round robin game as kind of their mock lineup uh, for you know game one of the first round. And so I think for the Capitals at that point, they're going to figure out exactly who they have. They're going to make sure they have the right person replacing Lars Eller as their three C, and are really just going to roll with it. Um, I think the Bruins obviously gave the Caps a lot of trouble. I think it was in a December game. They just completely got rolled over. Um, so I think for the Capitals, it is going to really help a lot. And then, you know, obviously having Carolina as an exhibition game is fun. Um, and it'll be interesting to see kind of the emotions there. Obviously the first game against anyone ex- except for themselves uh, in four plus months. So that'll be definitely interesting. Absolutely. I think it does serve to kind of have your final uh, dress rehearsal to be against a formidable opponent, but you got to show up. You got to be able to play and not mm-hmm. look at that game as this one doesn't really count because if you show up and you're not ready to go and all of a sudden, you know, you're down three, three, nothing after the first period, you're not going to have very many good feelings moving into the, to the official start of the playoffs in the next round. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely think the Capitals want to get off on the right foot. And, you know, guys emphasize, even though they might be tinkering a little bit during this round-robin time, like, they still want to win. They still know this is first seeding. They obviously still want the top spot uh, to give them kind of the best chance with how things shake out. But, you know, I think the Capitals will be ready. It's just about getting to Toronto at this point, really. Right. And so in that qualifying round in Toronto, you obviously have the Maple Leafs playing the Blue Jackets. You have the Islanders Mm -hmm. versus the Panthers, the Hurricanes versus the Rangers, the Penguins versus uh, the Canadians. Which uh, series intrigues you the most and which one do you think uh, gets the least amount of traction but has the the biggest uh, chance to kind of surprise and kind of bubble up as the the dark horse uh, of, of the series there? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, just from the Capitals perspective, the Carolina series, I think is going to be super interesting. Mm. Um, Obviously last year, you know, the Capitals got bounced by the Hurricanes in the first round. Uh, I guess you could say kind of a shock, obviously for the Capitals. They really thought they kind of had everything in the bag. And then you have this, you know, feisty Hurricanes team kind of come out of nowhere um, and really get them. So I think that at least for me will be super interesting to watch, um, just see how Carolina does. Because I think if, you know, Carolina can pull that off, um, they can be really interesting uh, headed down the stretch. Um, I would say as far as the one that maybe interests me the most, I think it's that Maple Leaf series um, that can maybe shock some people. Uh, Just for the dumpster exactly. fire ability? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like with Toronto, I'm kind of like, oh, what exactly is going to happen there? Could you and imagine? Honestly, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think it could go so many different ways, and that kind of uh, shocks me. I mean, you can't really count out Columbus, can you? Um, yeah, that one's kind of my dumpster fire one. <laughs> yeah, the, the Blue Jackets kind of seem like the team, at least on the Western Conference side, that has the has the best ability to not only say, why not us, why not now, but actually make yeah. a run for it. As much as you could say, well, Montreal and the Rangers and Pan- Panthers are also in that in that boat. I don't have a, a ton of confidence in Montreal unless Carey Price literally turns into <laughs> yeah. Jesus overnight, uh, which he is capable of doing. <laughs> Uh, at least uh, when he when he's uh, in the crease. But in terms of obviously being a John Tortorella coach team, which is about as hard nosed hockey as as you as you possibly can be, and one of the most accountable teams, and with a captain like Nick Foligno, and then a really weird goaltending situation for them this year, but one that has obviously mm-hmm. worked out a lot better for them, considering <laughs> all the talent that left to go to Florida uh, in their former goaltender, and, and all the talent that they hemorrhaged from free agency in general. But I think the fact that Toronto playing in Toronto against a team like this really sets an interesting stage for a Toronto team that, speaking of a tumultuous season, you know, with a very, very young team still, uh, and one that has, you know, we're talking about expectations and whether or not teams are able to rise or to fall. I'm not sure what if which team Toronto is in that in that space. But they they certainly have a lot of things going for for them in their favor. But as I said, if you're comfortable, complacency can sneak up on you uh, pretty quick. What about the Western uh, Conference side? We won't run through all the series uh, just because we're a little bit more familiar with them here on this side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead, Sam. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, on the Western side, I think that Minnesota-Vancouver series, um, I've been looking at a lot, and I don't really know why, but the wild, like, intrigues me a lot. And so I'm really curious to know what you think. Oh, well, I'm from Minnesota, so it's it's okay. a very much a more of a hate love relationship than a love hate. And I'm pretty sure I'm probably speaking for quite a few fans in that in that fan base. But I, I think with Vancouver and Minnesota, I think Vancouver is probably a year or two 
early on their rebuild. I think that they probably had a little mm-hmm. bit more success than they expected, and that obviously uh, circles back a lot to Jacob Markstrom and all that he's been able to do this year. And they've dealt with some injuries, but they're a smaller team and one that can score, but when you're young like that too, it's easy to kind of get lulled into into like certain mindsets. And then you have a team like Minnesota who literally cannot score goals, and then they yeah. and they, they've had a <laughs> a really tough uh, go with the goaltending uh, this year. And that's you know that's the position that makes or breaks your playoffs. So I, I would say, as defensively sound as Minnesota is, if they're not getting you know at least ninety uh, percent save percentage goaltending on a consistent basis, it's going to be really tough for them to win. But if they just clog up the middle and the slot and you force the guy, force the, your opposition to the outside and taking shots from there and you're just cleaning up sticks in the middle, you could easily you know, steal a couple two-to-one, one-nothing games if the right things are hot. Interesting. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I remember, you know, obviously the Caps played Vancouver and Minnesota each once. Um, and I remember being super impressed with Minnesota, but I think the Capitals kind of came at them at a time when they just literally could not score. And I think Minnesota just ended up being like a wild back and forth game. And everyone was kind of looking around being like, oh, like there's that Minnesota offense. That's oh, yeah, I remember that game. Everybody's like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's fine. Look, we can beat the Capitals. But that's the mindset. Yeah. If we get up against the big teams with the Ovechkins, everything, we're not worthy. And they, they, get, right. they get lulled into sleep, but... You know, that's the thing. You got to believe in yourself. Otherwise, there's no chance. Exactly. Yeah, I just remember that game being totally wild. And I was like, why is there so much offense? Everyone kept on telling me that Minnesota was in this rut. And that's when I started, you know, when I look back at it now, I'm like, oh, maybe that's why I'm so intrigued with this Minnesota uh, Vancouver series. Yeah. The series that really sticks out to me, other uh, other than that series, is is the Calgary Winnipeg, and and not because mm-hmm. I think it's just because we I don't really know which teams are going to show up because Calgary, ha- they won a division title last year, but they've obviously struggled yeah. this year. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau is uh, Johnny Hockey's having trouble hockeying, but he's back on the first line now. And then you have Winnipeg, which has an absolute stable of of, of tried and true playoff, you know, tested. Uh, forwards Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Patrick Line, mm-hmm. but their defensemen are brutal. But they've had they've mm-hmm. ha- also had stellar goaltending in Connor Hellenbuck, and I I think that one it's it's such a toss up. But I I really think that Winnipeg is the dark horse on the Western Conference side. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, and I definitely think you know goaltending is going to be the difference, especially in this five game series. Um, I think Hellenbuck has been so great for them that I think it'd be really hard to kind of go against them. But then again, you know, you have Calgary. Um, yes. <laughs> so I think it, it, you're right. That's another total toss up, like pretty 50, 50, I would say there. Right. And, and their goaltending, it can be spotty a, a, as well. But when you have a shortened five game series, you know, a, as much as you say, well, it's only two more games. Well, that just means your, your, your point of urgency is, is a hell of a lot earlier in the series. You know, if you get smoked in that first game, it, it, you're only down one game, but the mental uh, the mental pile that you have to climb up and get over just to get back to even is, is going to be too too much for some teams. And so it's going to be really interesting, especially with guys you know being away for four four or five months. You know, it's truly an unprecedented situation that we find ourselves uh, on the precipice of here, Sam. And I'm glad that that you're going to be with boots on the ground there, so we can keep in touch with you and and be able to explore this because I'm I'm uh, foreseeing a deep run for both of our teams this season, at least, again, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll definitely be interesting. I think at least for the Capitals, my mindset has been either they're going to flame out in the first round um, or they're going to go pretty far in this thing. I don't really think there's a in-between for them. Yeah, uh, It's just going to be all about, you know, be about matchups. How are they going to feel after the round robin? Are they going to get a team that played 
you know, a full five and they're playing around and feel really good? Or is it a team that played all five and, you know, went to overtime a million times and just feel tired all over again? Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see how the Capitals handle it all. And, um, yeah, I either think it's a, it's a bust or a go pretty far situation. <laughs> That's uh that's that's how it goes when your mindset is go big or go home. Anything but a cup is uh is a failure in their boat and in many ways uh the same boat that the Vegas Golden Knights are trying to roll themselves. Samantha, I, I really appreciate you uh taking some time to join us today. How can we uh follow you on social media? Yeah, so I'm always on Twitter, so it's at Samantha J Pell. Um yeah, I post all my stuff there. I'll probably post all my updates when I'm in Vancouver over there. Um, but yeah, thanks so much. This is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ever need anything from us, we are the Vegas Golden Knights experts here. Just give us a call, but have fun, be safe and, uh, and be well up there. Thanks so much. You guys stay safe too. Thanks, Sam. The Nightcap Podcast with Lindsey Brown is produced from the Las Vegas-based studios of CBS Sports Radio 1140, a Radio.com sports station. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.